Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a part of our Siegel & Gale podcast series. Here, our global brand experts host live case studies, deliver actionable insights, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In this episode, our Executive Director of Strategy and Head of ESG Advisory, Wendy Gerber, and Global CMO, Margaret Malloy, host an in-depth conversation on the heels of COP27 that explores how brands can navigate the intersection of ESG and brand building. This is Siegel & Gale Says. Hello and welcome to the Siegel & Gale Future of Branding. This is an episode in our Unlocking Brand series. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. Siegel & Gale is a brand-led strategy, design and experience firm. And for the last 50 years, we have been helping build some of the world's top brands. In today's episode, we are going to explore the intersection of ESG and brand building. I'm joined by my colleague, Wendy Gerber, our Executive Director Strategy and Head of ESG Advisory at Siegel & Gale. We will examine ESG and its connection to brand building, to purpose and employee and other stakeholder engagement. We will share ESG examples from both consumer and B2B businesses, as well as powerful stats on the business case for connecting ESG to brand building. And we will also provide some strategies on how CMOs and brand leaders can prepare for the future. Now, in welcoming Wendy, I invite all of you to put your questions in the Q&A at the bottom of the screen, and I will endeavor to pose those questions to Wendy through the course of our conversation this morning. So, Wendy, we have a lot to cover. A very good morning. How are you? Hi, Margaret. Great to be here, and thank you to our audience for joining us today. Excellent. We, I know we have many hundred people joining us live. And of course, also many will be listening to this on the recording as well. So, Wendy, I'm going to go on a journey from the beginner to a more advanced ESG marketeer, if you will. Begin by setting the stage. What does ESG mean for brands and the CMO today? Thank you, Margaret. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Practices. It's an evolution from Corporate Social Responsibility, or CSR, and Sustainability, although these terms are also used today. And in 2019, the Business Roundtable redefined the purpose of a corporation as not just focused on shareholders and profits, but really the importance of addressing all stakeholders. That includes customers, employees, the planet, suppliers, and communities. And sustainability done right is really a transformation catalyst. The modern CEO is a sustainable CEO. So it's an opportunity to drive growth and long-term value for brands. And the World Economic Forum found that 90% of executives believe sustainability is important, yet only 60% of organizations have sustainability strategies. And of that, IBM found that only 35% have acted on that strategy. So there's a big gap 
that needs to be filled. And CMOs can really help drive this. So those are excellent statistics, Wendy. I will be sure that we wrap them in a blog and publish them on SiegelandGale.com subsequent to this conversation. So very interesting analysis there of the gap. There's a lot of work to be done. But can you double down just for a moment, given all the priorities executives and marketers have on their on their plate? Why is it essential? Why? The pandemic really showed us the intersectionality of our lives, our health, and our planet. And it highlighted for companies how important it is to focus on taking care of their employees. So as companies are looking to build their brands, leading with purpose and embedding ESG into your company's DNA is really critical to drive growth, consumer and employee engagement, and to drive long-term value creation. And data confirms this. Purpose-driven companies grow three times faster on average than their competitors, and sustainability can also reduce costs and impact operating profits by up to 60%. And studies have also found that having an inclusive culture leads to higher profitability and greater productivity. So that sounds very promising. Could you put a finer point on that? What is the opportunity? Because it also sounds like a lot of work. It can be a lot of work and it's important to start on the journey. It's important to develop clear, transparent and motivating ESG goals that really align with your brand strategy and your corporate strategy. Because ESG initiatives that are done right Build your brand, drive growth, and engage all your stakeholders. And the ability to engage customers in sustainability initiatives and experiences really build relationships and help differentiate brands. Now, acknowledging that some of our viewers and listeners are on different stages in that journey, for the company that is about to get started, how do companies get started on this process? So it's very important as you're getting started that to understand that this is a journey for everyone and and getting started is the critical piece. So you take a look at what's material to your business, what's important in terms of resources, in terms of business strategies, what's important to your stakeholders. Don't do too much too fast because you really want to make sure that you're authentic and transparent in everything you do. But ESG really gives us an opportunity to activate a brand's purpose. That's interesting because a lot of our clients at Siegel and Gale and a lot of brands are investing time, effort, and other resources into purpose. How does ESG specifically intersect with purpose work? It intersects in a very important way. It's important for brands to understand the difference between rallying behind a cause and really standing for a purpose that aligns with their strategy. If brands randomly pick causes or don't walk the talk, millennials and the media and regulators will see right through that. But if companies lead with purpose and build integrated ESG initiatives around it, and that word integrated is very, very important. It needs to be integrated across all employee groups, 
business units, suppliers, et cetera, then if brands tell their story in an impactful way, they'll build customer loyalty and drive growth. Can we spend a moment, Wendy, please, on the how? So that all sounds very sensible, the notion of integrating it. How do you align ESG with your brand strategy specifically? So it's very important to do this and develop concrete initiatives. What is a company looking to do? What are your short-term and long-term goals to drive business growth and engage customers? You have to think creatively and strategically about how ESG can help drive those goals because then a cohesive identity and ESG approach will really add power to your storytelling. And then once you build this strategy, thinking about how to embed it into the DNA of your company across your operations and across every business unit really builds to the authenticity and enables you to walk the talk. Wendy, let's have some examples at this point in time. Perhaps we could separate. Can we have an example of E and an example of S and separate them out? I know there is some overlap, but just for a moment, two distinct examples, I think, would help make it very tangible for our audience. Sure. So let's start with the E. That's the environmental aspect of an ESG strategy, how businesses are using their environmental resources and how those resources affect the environment. So this can include a company's carbon footprint, energy and water, waste and other factors. So for example, in the food and beverage industry, they use one third of our total fresh water. So companies are taking action to really minimize that water use. Pepsi, for example, has increased their water efficiency by 20% over the last few years. And on the social side, or the S, that focuses on employees, local communities, workers in supply chains, and society. So it includes human rights, health and safety, employee engagement, and DEI initiatives. And so for an example here, we can look at apparel supply chains where workers' rights violations have really been rampant in low-cost countries. So faced with increasing backlash about this, companies have developed rigorous auditing programs to prevent this. And for example, Apple launched a $50 million program to expand access to learning opportunities and skills development for workers in their supply chain. And as you noted, it's important to recognize that the E and the S do overlap. For example, climate justice and equity issues took center stage at COP27 recently. So let's be sure to get to that in a moment. I'd be very curious to hear your reactions to this past COP. Before we go there, Wendy, though, it strikes me there are many possibilities where a company could put their emphasis How can a company, or specifically a brand, decide which area to focus on? So the first step for companies is to do what's called a materiality assessment. This helps an organization determine which ESG issues matter most to stakeholders and to the business itself. 
And some industries have specific risks to address. For example, the fashion industry accounts for 10% of global carbon emissions. That's a huge amount. And there's a lot of textile waste. So building a circular model to repair, recycle, and rent clothing is really important. On the other hand, if you look at the entertainment industry, entertainment companies need to be concerned about their carbon footprint from major tentpole film productions. And of course, they also have a powerful role to play in raising awareness on critical issues and driving the cultural zeitgeist in a responsible way through their content. So these priorities can come from leadership or they can come from employees. And to be done right, it shouldn't just be top down coming from leadership. Ideally, employees are engaged as well. This is really a terrific way to create connection. I'm getting some questions in the Q&A here, Wendy, around trends. Perhaps you could speak to that. Are there trends that you've noticed? What are you seeing among consumers? And another questioner is asking a little about investors. Okay, great. Well, terrific question. And there is rising interest in ESG. It's propelled by consumers, by investors, and by global regulatory developments. And really, sustainability is becoming increasingly important in consumer purchasing decisions, especially because people are seeing themselves as catalysts for change. Everyone knows now that this is going to take a village. Everybody works needs to work together to protect our planet, to improve society. And globally, 85% of consumers have become greener in their purchasing. And Morningstar found that sustainable investment funds more than doubled in 2020. And the big takeaway here, and one that's really important to create change and maximize it, is that companies are starting to really collaborate on ESG initiatives to accelerate change, given all the challenges that we're confronting. So for example, Colgate worked for years on developing a recyclable toothpaste tube, and then they opened the technology up to other companies. Similarly, Ralph Lauren partnered with Dow to introduce an open source improved dyeing process that reduces the amount of water, chemicals, and energy required for cotton dyeing, cotton dyeing, because that addresses water scarcity issues and the pollution caused by dyeing processes. So that trend around collaboration is so interesting, isn't it? And of course, this all is very laudable on many dimensions, the benefits you outlined and the necessity. But companies increasingly are also navigating challenging economic times, growth imperatives, and other direct business goals. Wendy, the hard question I know I get asked, and I'm curious to pose it to you, is, is there any evidence that consumers are willing to pay more for these brands that are doing social good? Or is that the right metric? Is that the right question? Maybe spend a moment to react to that curiosity, please. Sure, that's a great question because especially as we may be heading into, companies are concerned about creating the right balance. And so 
They need to be thinking about their strategic corporate goals and marry them and align them with their ESG initiatives. And there is strong data to support this because two thirds of people surveyed in the US are willing to pay more for sustainable products. And this is actually a higher percentage than last year. So it's increasing. Even in the travel industry, 57% of respondents are willing to pay more when they're going on vacation for sustainable travel packages. That's very interesting. And again, I invite people to continue to put questions for us in the Q&A, please. Let's double click a little bit on that people comment. Let's segment it, if you will. Are you seeing meaningful distinctions across any demographic criterion, age group, regionality, anything that's noteworthy regarding different consumer populations? That's a great question, Margaret. And I think it probably won't come as a surprise that one third of millennials will choose a sustainable product when it's available. Older generations are slightly less likely to actively choose sustainable alternatives, but it's still pretty close. It's still 24 to 29%. So more than a quarter of the older generation are also looking for sustainable alternatives. In terms of country differences, if we look at consumers who have made really significant changes to their purchasing, or in fact, completely changed their way of living to be more sustainable, Europe is ahead of the US. In the US, 22% of consumers say they've made changes in their behavior, some changes, but that number actually jumps to 55% if we include people who say they're at least at the starting point making changes. And these are the consumers that we really wanna bring on, bring on board and engage with our products and help create a better world with less consumption and more awareness about the products people are buying. So the bottom line is there is evidence to suggest there's demand. Is the jury out or where are we with when there's a price differential? Consumers will look at, at three things. So they're going to be looking at product quality. They're going to be looking at price and they're going to be looking at the sustainability of a given product. And quality and price can't be a trade-off for sustainable products. You really need all three. It is still true that sustainable products can be more expensive, but that's where work needs to be done to really innovate, to really collaborate on, among companies so that prices can be lowered for two reasons. One, it, it opens it up in terms of purchasing. More people will then be buying sustainable products. And also, we want to be equitable. There should be as much of an opportunity for high-income, affluent consumers to be buying sustainable products as everyone else. Now, the next question that's come in is around a very different business models. Spend a moment there, Wendy, on how B2B CMOs and brand builders should think about the opportunities and challenges presented by ESG. So if you're in a B2B business, you really need to be thinking about ESG just as much as a B2C companies. The issues may differ from one company to another. 
If you're developing products, you need to think about sustainable sourcing, product durability, and reducing your carbon footprint across the entire value chain. If you're a bank, you can play an important role in financing sustainable initiatives and also need to make hard decisions about whether to fund companies that aren't as sustainable. But we need to emphasize here, the SEC has proposed rules that will require all public companies to disclose their environmental impact information. And the EU and UK are even further ahead on regulations. So it's important for all companies, whether B2B or B2C, to be looking at this. Wendy, spend a moment, please, on minimizing their footprint, because I know that is an area of consideration specifically around carbon footprint, that many B2B companies are processing at the moment. Any examples of companies who are getting that right or any considerations you would emphasize? It's very important to minimize your carbon footprint. And this really isn't is no longer a nice to have. It's a need to have. And this is very much a way to bring employees along on their journey. Here at Siegel and Gale, we have an employee resource group. We're looking for ways to engage our employees because they're a critical part of this journey. And one thing all companies need to keep in mind, especially B2B companies, they're part of a supply chain. And about 60% of a company's carbon emissions are coming from supply chains. So your customers are going to be looking to you to minimize your carbon footprint. And your employees will really appreciate this too. And purpose-driven companies have 40% higher levels of employee retention. So this is really important to retain top talent. Yeah, it's interesting. You're alluding there to scope one and scope two, right? In terms of emissions. For audience who might not be quite as familiar, because that is an important commentary, could you please explain the calculus around footprint and scope one and scope two? Yeah, so scope one are your direct emissions. Scope two would be your energy usage, where it's coming from, the carbon footprint with that. And scope three, tier three, is really about the supply chain. And that's vast because most companies have a very, very broad supply chain. So it's a lot of work to really think about what policies are you going to develop? Not just internally, what are we going to report on? How are we going to gather the information for for all the scopes, but also as we go beyond our own company, as we go beyond things that we control, how are we going to look at the entire life cycle of our product along the value chain and develop policies to partner with our supply chain so we bring everybody along on the sustainability journey? This is really going to be critical to get us where we need to be because it's a huge challenge and we need to meet it together. It's such an interesting point of discussion now, Wendy, isn't it? The notion that how one calculates their impact, because the temptation is to abdicate 
to others further back on the supply chain, rather than what you've emphasized, which is this notion of collaboration. I think that's one to watch as as consumers become savvier, and regulators too, how one thinks about the calculation and the transparency in that. It's definitely critical to walk the talk, no question about it. Wendy, it seems that from a, there's some questions coming in around regulation and legislation. It seems that on the environmental side, we're further along in terms of, of that. On the social side, there's less laws being promulgated, but there certainly seems to be conversation around disclosure. Uh, anything you would comment on there, recognizing we're in early innings on the legislative slide in America and beyond? Yeah, so there has been more of a focus on climate change and environmental issues. No question about it. It's at the forefront of everyone's minds. We've seen a lot of examples recently of just profoundly climate change has impacted all our lives. And obviously, it's been disproportionately felt by developing countries, which is why it was so much of a focus of COP27. But social issues have also been in the forefront. There have been anti-slavery legislation that's been in effect for a while. Different states in the U.S. have passed legislation on this. So it's really something that needs to be looked at holistically, both with regard to environmental issues and also with regard to social issues and equity issues. So, Wendy, I want to spend some time on how you counsel clients and how at Seedling Gale, as brand strategists, we help our clients approach ESG opportunities. I'm seeing a number of questions come in around how we counsel clients and help clients avoid greenwashing, for example. So talk me through this, the various ways clients can engage with a brand strategist like yourself to anchor ESG efforts and brand building together to achieve the growth and other benefits that you outlined in the beginning. So you've mentioned something which is really important, and that's anchoring the ESG with building the brand. And because Siegel and Gale is a brand strategy and experience agency, we're really well positioned to build dynamic ESG programs and to tie them into the brand which is what really creates differentiation. So we're generally engaged on projects in in three different ways. The first is we're engaged to build a brand's positioning, purpose, identity, and messaging. And so we focus on aligning and integrating this brand work with our clients' existing ESG initiatives, or we'd help them develop an ESG strategy and programs that bring their brand purpose to life and really activate it. Second, we could be hired to develop a strong employer brand and engagement. And then we'd interview leadership and employees to learn what issues matter most to them, because it's important that it's both top-down and bottom approach as ESG practices and programs are developed. Then we partner with clients to create ESG strategies, recommendations, and messaging that will build a strong employer brand. And as part of that, we also build employee engagement programs, which is a critical piece of the puzzle. 
And third, companies engage us to do a full ESG strategy with recommendations. So here we build a complete roadmap. We audit what they're currently doing and what they'd like to be doing. We'll look at competitors and analyze challenges and opportunities in the industry and for their brand. We build a strong brand positioning that's supported by compelling ESG strategic pillars that are really simple and authentic to your point about making sure that our clients are not greenwashing and are transparent and authentic. So the pillars need to to be transparent and authentic to the brand and to maximize the brand's impact. And then we build the ESG programs themselves, including unifying employees around a shared vision and developing employee, employee engagement programs. One of the most important things is aligning purpose, ESG, messaging, and identity. Having a cohesive identity and ESG approach will really add power to your storytelling. So we develop an authentic, compelling narrative that can be shared across the company and to all stakeholders. Then we help brands deliver on their purpose through signature experiences, which are activated across every platform. So that's a lot. I want to give folks a, a moment or two to process that, and perhaps I could unpack it for a moment. Knowing our clients come to us at different, driven by different motivations. So, for example, a merger acquisition or divestiture. Clients come to Seedling Gale for support to stand up a new company or to uh, articulate a new narrative and identity. In that scenario, where ostensibly it's not ESG, are we ESG aware? How do we consider ESG in supporting the company's brand building goals? That's a terrific question, Margaret. And it's really important in cases such as these. For example, in a merger and acquisition, you've got two companies coming in with very different dynamics, different strategies, different tactics, different employee engagement programs, and hopefully different ESG strategies that, that they then need to combine build out together, if they were each separately doing some kind of global volunteer days, how do we marry those? How do we look at what was important to each of those companies individually and then bring it together where one plus one equals 11? So we take initiatives and we build into their brand strategy and their business strategy, how ESG can, can really drive things forward, how we can unify employees from two different companies to really align behind a shared vision. It can be a tremendous way to drive integration between the two companies mm -hmm. and give employees something to hold on to, a sense of purpose that helps them through the transition and gives them a shared vision to move forward as a combined company. Now, Wendy, you use the term employer brand. And yeah. for those who don't live and work in brand day to day, can you help us draw that distinction? Brand, the company's brand, and then employer brand, and you've and why it matters, and the intersection with that, and ESG is something you've been alluding to in this conversation. 
Yes. So, so building a strong brand, obviously very important to have a strong positioning to be able to engage your customers, whether it's consumers or other businesses who are looking to buy your services or your products. The employer brand is how is your company, how is your business being looked at by prospective employees, by current employees? What's your brand around that? That's developing a strong employer brand, which makes you an employer of choice, which encourages, especially important in our time of the great resignation, how are we going to attract potential employees to pick your company as the place they want to be? So ESG can be a huge driver to build strong employer brands. We've already seen how important it is for millennials to be looking for brands that lead with purpose. They also want to work for companies that are living their values and walking the talk. So bringing ESG on board and building initiatives that can help drive that is very critical. And this is why I shared that it's it's a strong brand builder. Building ESG initiatives has so many benefits to companies in terms of revenue growth and employee growth, retention, and engagement. And it seems like an important point that you're emphasizing throughout this conversation is the need for that to be done integrated with the brand work. What are you seeing, Wendy? Is that typical or is it typically handled by different professionals at our clients and other companies? It's interesting because companies are handling their ESG work in very different ways. Some companies, predominantly larger companies, will have a chief sustainability officer who's really driving these initiatives. In other companies, the CMO or the chief communications officer may be leading the initiatives. What's what's most important is that there be a direct line of content of contact with the CEO, because that's a way you're going to be able to get these initiatives put forward, accepted, and actually implemented as part of a strategic go-forward strategy to build the brand. But at the same time, it needs to be widespread. There need to be a lot of legs crossing across business units so that everyone is engaged. And employees need to have a very, very strong voice in this so they feel heard, so they feel they're contributing. That's what drives a strong ESG strategy. And when you work with clients on these efforts, how do you ensure that the employee voice is heard and that the client chooses the right area to place somewhat scarce resources? So companies are different. Sometimes they have committees that are leading this and councils. And what we want to make sure we do to benefit our clients is to rally everyone together because building stakeholder buy-in from the beginning is gonna be critical to drive execution. So we wanna bring on board the CMO, but we also wanna bring on board members of the leadership team across business units in order to figure out a strategy for ESG and pillars that really ensure that the overarching corporate strategy, short and long-term factor in. That's the way to drive success, That's the way to make it very authentic. And CMOs and CSOs and employees need to work together to really drive this in an organic way. I'm seeing a question come in that speaks to this notion of 
We live in such a transparent world with media access that everyone has, particularly with social media. So this idea that you need integration between the company's brand and the employer brand, they need to essentially be highly integrated. So I want you to react to that, that perhaps there's you can't have a distinct employer brand and brand in general for other audiences, but with particular emphasis on the idea of what does a company need to do to make sure its house is in order internally before and concurrent with communicating sustainability efforts in the external domain? So there are really two issues there. The first is that you're right. It's critical that the employer brand is very much, very much supports the overall brand strategy that drives authenticity if they're both working together. It also makes it a lot easier to integrate it through the company because their purpose, their employer brand, their brand strategy are all working together. So the third piece of the puzzle then is the ESG strategy, which also needs to be aligned with both the employer brand and the overarching corporate strategy. And then in terms of your question about getting your house in order internally, that's a key question. And it, building trust and loyalty among customers is really the key to marketing efforts. So how do we do this? Companies need to be transparent, authentic, and most important, accurate. So they need to be able to back up their claims with real actions to avoid being accused of greenwashing. And they need to be able to communicate clearly. Siegel & Gale is all about simplicity. We're the simplicity company. And this is an important factor. And in, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at a Wall Street Journal conference on sustainable business. And one issue that arose constantly and was the source of numerous comments and questions was about simplicity. It's a very important factor here. And we help our clients be simple, but impactful in how they develop and share their ESG strategies. They need to be transparent about goals and about what they've achieved. And Margaret, it's also really important to share where you still have work to do. Consumers are savvy. They wanna see your vulnerabilities. They wanna know that you may not have gotten there yet and achieved all your goals, but you're on the journey and you're committed to it. So understanding your ESG initiatives, understanding their impact, so your messaging is credible, is really important to building trust among consumers and also among regulators. You mentioned a journey and you referenced earlier around facts. And I know at Siegel & Gale, fact-based is very important. How do you use data to help support the initiatives and communicate progress? So we have an incredible insights and research group at Siegel and Gale, and they can do a lot of work, both qualitative and quantitative, to take a look at what the drivers are, what's important to consumers, et cetera, to help guide this. And as part of our audit work, we're speaking with people at the company hopefully across different levels. So we're not just hearing leadership input, we're also hearing from employees on their perspective on what's important. And then we bring this all together to create 
ESG initiatives that are based on data, but that also have a very strong vision for the future. Because we need to be thinking long-term in order to drive long-term value. And we need to think creatively as well as strategically in developing these initiatives. That's such an important point. And I think in my observations and conversations with executives, often that balance isn't there. There's the data or there's the ambition, but you don't always have the data plus the storytelling, plus the simplicity. That blend gives the initiatives traction and also has the capacity to link it to purpose and business as well. So I think you're emphasizing something really important. You need the data for sure, but you also need the storytelling to rally people behind it and to communicate to all stakeholders that the journey is not complete and to reveal vulnerabilities as well as demonstrate commitments, that that blend. What do you see there, Wendy? Is, is that an accurate assessment? Are people skewing too much toward the science, not enough to the storytelling, or layering on a lot so it gets very complex? There are different approaches. Some companies are very scientific in their approach and their reporting. And frankly, I think they're missing a huge opportunity. First, Everything they do about ESG, whether it's their website and how they're talking about it, whether it's their storytellings, their campaigns, or their reporting, if it's very dry and matter of fact, then it's not going to be engaging. It's not going to link to your brand identity, both visual and verbal identity. And it won't get you where you should be going, which is really aligning both. If you look at a company like... um, Ben and Jerry's, everything is integrated together. Their website, their focus on ESG, their reporting, it's all tied into the brand. Even some of their ice creams um, are tied in, like Equity Justice Remixed is an ice cream flavor. So really thinking about how you can walk the talk, embed this into your DNA is an important opportunity and experiences is really critical here because if we create dynamic ESG experiences, which is one of our most important goals at Siegel and Gale, we have an opportunity to bring people into the journey, to see what we're doing, to become engaged. So we lead people from awareness to engagement to action. This is something really important for brands and a tremendous opportunity to build experiences to excite people, to engage with a brand, and to bring the brand to life, really activating your brand purpose and maximizing impact for the world. Because where we're really leading here is for a better future, for our businesses, for our planet, and for society. Well, certainly that, Wendy, and you've provided examples like Ben & Jerry's. Now, there are many well-documented stories like Ben & Jerry's, Patagonia and others that may have B Corp or other fiscal constructs that allows perhaps more focus on ESG. If I could bring it back, I see a number of questions coming in around when shareholders are focused on share price or when CEOs are judged exclusively on share price. How do you get that balance right? 
around ESG. I'd love you. I have some thoughts on it. I'd love your reaction to that, if you will, challenge that's often posed to ESG work. Another terrific question, Margaret, and it is a balance and it's important. ESG initiatives are critical, but they need to be aligned with our corporate strategy, with our revenue goals, et cetera. And if we use ESG as an innovation driver, it can become a catalyst for new improvements in how we do business, in how we create products that make sure that we don't have a problem down the road with limited resources that create issues for us where we can't create products down the road. So we've increased our risk. So it's really two things. It's looking at ESG both in terms of risk mitigation and also looking at it as a real opportunity to drive transformation, to drive innovation around a business. And we like to work with clients to do it right so that the initiatives we're developing align with the brand, align with the strategy, and can drive growth at the same time that they maximize impact. That's the best way to bring together balance. I think that's such an important analysis, Wendy. Sometimes I believe it's a false dichotomy when people are suggesting, well, by focusing on share price, you don't have the luxury of dealing with ESG, but I think that's a false calculus because A, there are many investors who are looking at people's ESG performance in terms of capital markets, but also much of what you said around ESG as a mechanism to unlock innovation, unlock employee engagement, and indeed mitigate risk on both the environmental and social issues. A lot of questions around this in the chat. So I think it was important for us to spend that moment in reacting to that reality. Wendy, I also want to talk about measurement. And you and I know this is not a very mature science versus accounting standards as they are articulated and adhered to currently. Speak to us around measurement. Where are we at, as it were? in terms of standardization of measuring companies and brands, ESG performance, and what do we have to look forward to? Yes, once we develop strong ESG goals and initiatives, it's really important to measure and report on them. It's interesting, KPMG's 2022 survey of sustainability reporting found that 96% of the world's leading 250 companies are reporting on sustainability. And this is going to grow with new regulations coming down the pike on sustainability disclosures. And yet fewer than one half of these companies have leadership level representatives focused on sustainability. So it's a journey. And companies are at different stages, but it's really important to start measuring impact and to report goals, even if you haven't achieved them. And in fact, this is a great way to energize teams, to have them reach for goals and to tie together the initiatives and the reporting in a dynamic, interactive way through experiences that tie your brand's visual and verbal identity is really, really a powerful way to go. We do have metrics that are inconsistent. That's a, pro a project that's long underway. 
but the UN SDGs are a wonderful way to set a baseline for companies. They're aspirational. They have a lot of tangible results and goals. And so a number of companies uh, are adopting them and using them. And we like to work with the UN SDGs as we're building ESG programs. And just for our audience, that's the UN Global Compact has articulated, I think it's its 17 sustainable development goals. And within those, there are sub-goals. So the interesting opportunity for brands, Wendy, I would think, is as they're articulating their purpose, figure out which of those 17 goals or indeed sub-goals map, and then they can align and therefore have a baseline, but also comparative analysis with others in terms of how they're tracking on performance. So we encourage people to take a look at the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and we're mindful of those when we work with clients on their purpose articulation. I think the question around reporting more broadly is watch this space. While we have GAP and other standardized accounting mechanisms for reporting that we're not there yet in terms of the regulatory framework for reporting, standardized reporting, accounting, as it were, for ESG performance. Anything further you would say on that or does that capture it, Wendy? Yeah, it's definitely a move forward and countries, regulators are making inroads, different uh, reviewers that assess platforms are working together now there've been acquisitions so i think in we're going to we're moving closer towards having a more standardized system we're not there yet but the un sdgs are a good starting point and there are a number of other platforms and different industry sectors right now are responding to particular platforms and we help you decide what makes sense and there is some important discussion in the Q&A that we're in a very particular point in time, especially, and I'm sensitive to it in Europe, around elevated energy prices and what people are having to do, be it increased exposure to even liquefied natural gases or other fuels, given the reality of the economic and political context they're in. And that adds another layer of complexity for leaders as they navigate ESG in these circumstances. So I, I think that's acknowledged, and we certainly acknowledge that in this conversation, but it doesn't take away from the other context, which is the consumer, the employee, and even the investor enthusiasm, or even demand, for greater transparency on how companies are performing. So I'm reacting, Wendy, to some of the commentary in the questions. Wendy, before, yes, please, did you want to double click on Yeah, it? I wanted to double click on what you said because that was a great point. And again, just as we're striking a balance between shareholder value, stock prices, ESG initiatives, we have to strike a balance here. We have to be realistic in terms of what we need from energy. But this is also a tremendous opportunity for companies to be innovating together to meet the important needs that we have, geopolitical systems, et cetera, what we've got going on in the world. How can companies look beyond themselves to really be partnering together to drive change and innovation? 
And it sounds that your thesis, Wendy, from a brand perspective, it bringing it back to our audience, marketeers, communicators, brand professionals, that consumers, employees, stakeholders will reward the brands that lean into ESG if they communicate that appropriately. So there is a real commercial imperative, there's strategic and operational realities, but also there's a communications challenge. So I like your emphasis on simplicity there as well and storytelling. And I sense you're suggesting there's an opportunity there. Yeah, there's a tremendous opportunity to really align your visual and verbal brand identity and your purpose with how you're communicating to the world. Because yes, it's very important and it's become table stakes now. You need to be engaged with ESG initiatives and communicating it in a compelling, dynamic way to drive your corporate strategy, to build engagement among consumers and employees, to move the world forward. This is a really critical aspect. Companies that don't are not going to be relevant and they're going to fall behind. So everybody needs to begin the journey. You mentioned COP27 at the beginning of our conversation. Any important takeaways for brands and brand leaders from that meeting? Yeah, so it's interesting. There was a study done by Kantar that showed that two out of three people had heard of COP27 although they weren't necessarily as aware of the details around it. But most importantly, an overwhelming majority of the public, 86% globally, agree there's a need for urgent action to address climate change and feel that business needs to be part of the solution. And, and very importantly for brands, the results of COP27 are gonna be cascading down into laws and regulations that will have strong implications for brands. So what can brands and brand leaders do to be forward thinking in this domain in terms of staying on top of these guidelines or changing consumer, investor, employee demands? So the top priority is Look at ESG practices as not solely for risk mitigation. Really think of ESG as a catalyst for innovation and transformation and a tremendous opportunity to build your brand, its resilience, and its impact with consumers. Because brands need to embrace ESG to be relevant, to attract customers and investors, as well as employees, and to drive long-term growth and innovation. Wendy, anything else you'd like to emphasize? And in particular, I know you spend your days talking to our clients on this topic. What are people missing in terms of their analysis? What are the questions people should be asking you and are not? What are you seeing in terms of the awareness and motivation around the intersection of ESG and brand? So really importantly, who's going to lead the ESG initiatives and how will leadership be involved? How will ESG be integrated across your business? Will there be a committee that includes business unit leaders? Very important for everyone to be involved. And of course, employees, we like to help develop ambassador programs, ERGs, so employees are engaged. Then, of course, how will data be gathered? 
to assess your carbon footprint, to think about how employees are feeling. Uh, do they have a sense of inclusion? Is there diversity, et cetera? And how are we resourcing our work? Are there sufficient team members involved? Do we need to hire an outside agency or consultant? And then what policies and engagement do we want with our supply chain partners? On balance, Wendy, are you seeing companies and brands treat this as a burden, something they have to do, risk mitigation, or as an opportunity to unlock value, innovation, and greater engagement? Where is the mindset? Because much of what you've counseled seems to be tied to the approach, the mindset, the attitude with which leaders um, essentially take on the challenge? The companies that are using ESG most effectively to drive business growth are not looking at it solely as a risk mitigation tool. If they're addressing it just for risk mitigation, then it becomes less of a strategy and more working with the chief compliance officer to figure out what are our risks, how are we going to mitigate them, as opposed to business leaders across every business unit, really thinking about how can we use ESG to transform our company as a catalyst for innovation. That's the opportunity. Because the big takeaway here is that authentic ESG initiatives will build brands, they'll build reputations, they'll engage and attract employees and consumers, and they'll drive business growth and create a positive impact. You can do well by doing good. Well, that's a powerful message to end on, Wendy. And thank you. Thank you for the work you do with our clients. And thank you for coming on today and sharing your stories, your experiences, and some really compelling third-party data as well. And to our audience, thank you for joining us. Wendy and I, as I mentioned, will compile this data and provide it to you in a blog in the coming weeks. I also see questions around a recording. Yes, we will make this conversation available on Siegel and Says podcast so you can share with colleagues. And with that, I want to encourage you and invite you all to join me again on Wednesday, December 14th, when I will be joined by two more colleagues, Mel McShane, Executive Director Strategy, and Nigel Taylor, Associate Creative Director to discuss DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and the intersection of that work with brand as well. So with thank that, you. thank you, Wendy. Thank you to our audience. Have a great rest of day. Thank you, Margaret, and thank you to our audience. Thank you for listening to this episode of Siegel & Gale Says. You can read more thought leadership pieces and explore our work at SiegelGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, please leave us a review. See you next time.